This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with breaking news. Any American citizen thinking that Republican senators might have finally reached their limit with Donald Trump after Mr. Trump incited a terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol, resulting in five deaths, including a Capitol police officer. Well, I have bad news for you. They apparently have not. A short time ago, U.S. senators were sworn in for the second impeachment trial of now former President Trump. Senators raising their right hands, swearing to be impartial jurors and each lining up to sign an oath book as they consider the sole article of impeachment charging Mr. Trump with inciting that insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. The trial is slated to begin two weeks from today on February 9th. Moments after all the senators took their oaths, Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky raised a point of order to question whether it is unconstitutional to try an ex-president. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell voted in favor of Paul's motion, though it did ultimately fail, with five Republicans, only five, joining Democrats to move forward with the trial. So the vote was 55 in favor of proceeding with the trial, 45 opposed, saying it's unconstitutional. Now, the nonpartisan Congressional Research Service says that, quote, Most scholars who have closely examined the question have concluded that Congress has authority to extend the impeachment process to officials who are no longer in office, unquote. And while surely some of those 45 votes may have been based in divergent constitutional law, let's be clear-eyed about the politics at play here and what today's vote foretells. To convict Donald Trump, Democrats will need to win over 17 Republicans. Rand Paul says today's vote showed that conviction is dead on arrival. Joining me now is CNN Congressional Correspondent Ryan Nobles. Ryan, walk us through what happened on the Senate floor today and, and what this procedural vote actually means. Well, Jake, uh, the trial itself is not expected to begin here in earnest on Capitol Hill of the former president for about two weeks. But we learned a lot about the thinking of those senators who are going to serve as jurors in this trial of former President Trump. This test vote, which is essentially what it was, that was brought up by Senator Rand Paul, asked the question, uh, do you believe that this impeachment trial is constitutional? And as you uh, very rightly point out, uh, 45 Republican senators said that they agree read with Rand Paul, that this is not a question that should be brought in front of the senators, uh, essentially because uh, President Trump is no longer the president. Now, even though that motion failed and it was tabled by Democrats effectively and not moved forward, it does tell us a lot about the thinking of these Republican senators. And it's important to point out that it will require 17 of those Republican senators to cross over party lines and vote to convict President Trump in order for him to be convicted. So we We learned today that even though there were a lot of Republicans uh, that were very concerned about what happened uh, on the day of the Capitol insurrection on January 6th, and many of them who specifically blamed President Trump for his role in all of it, uh, it seems very clear, at least from this vote today, that there is not enough of them that want to see uh, him essentially called for his actions and convicted here uh, through this impeachment process. Jake? Ryan, one of the things we haven't heard a lot of is, if not conviction, then what consequences do these 45 Republicans 
believe should happen. What have you heard from Republicans today after today's proceedings? You raise a great point, Jake. And we've been asking Republicans that uh, because what's interesting about the position that many of them have taken in the wake of this vote is that they're not actually talking about the merits of the impeachment trial itself. They're not talking uh, about the president's role on that day on January 6th. And instead, they're talking about the process, that this is unconstitutional because he is no longer sitting in office. Now, we've asked what other option is there to hold the president accountable? Could they do something along the lines of censuring President Trump. Uh, I spoke to Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, who's now come out and said that he believes the impeachment trial is unconstitutional. Uh, He told me censoring is an option, but he's not sure exactly where the rest of the conference sits. So at this point, Jake, uh, that question has not even been uh, presented to the senators at this point. Uh, The impeachment trial is right now the only option for holding President Trump accountable. We'll have to see after this is all said and done if they take that next step or if they, like many seem to want to do, put this all in the rearview mirror. Jay. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. Joining us now to discuss Illinois Democratic <laughs> Senator Tammy Duckworth. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us. So your colleague Rand Paul forced this vote today questioning the constitutionality of this trial. His motion died. You voted to kill it. Uh, explain why you think this trial is constitutional. Well, if you look to our history, uh, Jake, uh, every official who has been barred from holding future office uh, uh, was out of office. And so we have uh, historical precedents that shows that it is constitutional to um, have uh, a trial that will bar somebody from holding office in the future because we've done it in our nation's past. So it's clear um, that it is constitutional. Rand Paul says that this vote suggests that impeachment is dead on arrival. Um, I mean, mathematically, that seems correct, don't you think? Well, it looks that way, but I will tell you that we have not yet, you know, looked at the evidence. I mean, we all lived through it. I'm sitting here in, my, in one of my offices here. I still have plywood on uh, the window. That there used to be a window there. I still have broken glass on my floor. My door behind me uh, still has marks from where they were trying to batter it down um, with whatever device they use as a battering ram. Um, this is all very fresh, and we cannot cannot allow any official, whether it's Donald Trump or someone else, uh, to not be held accountable for their actions. Um, you know, when that action is inciting a violent insurrection that has left at least five people dead that we know of. So we must move forward with this. We've heard people like Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, uh, say that he holds President Trump responsible uh, for what happened. But some of your colleagues are saying uh, that he can't be held responsible for inciting the riot. Take a listen to something else that Senator Rand Paul said on the Senate floor today. We're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. I want the Democrats to raise their hands if they have ever given a speech that says, take back, fight for your country. Who hasn't used the words fight figuratively? What's your response? Um, you know, listen, he knows he's wrong. And, 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 and stop covering for Donald Trump. We all saw with our own eyes, we heard with our own ears, uh, President Trump and what he did to incite the violence. Then we also heard from all of the people in the riots who who spoke up and said that they were doing this because President Trump told them to do so. That's why you have a trial. You present the evidence and then you make a decision based on that. If uh, Rand Paul wants to uh, be uh, President Trump's uh, lawyer, then he more than welcome to go do that. But frankly, I think the American people deserve to see the evidence uh, presented to them that this president did indeed incite violence, did indeed in- incite insurrection against our nation's capital. President Biden tells CNN that the impeachment trial must happen, but Biden says he does not think 17 Republican senators will ultimately vote to convict Trump. 
Uh, as time passes, uh, do you think it's even going to be harder to change minds? It seemed as though early on there might have been some willingness of Republicans uh, to listen to the evidence, but you only got five today, Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Toomey, and Sass. Yeah, I think this is where showing the evidence and replaying uh, video footage from that day, replaying the audio from that day so that the American people uh, so that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle can see and hear all of the evidence again uh, is really important. That's why it is so important to move forward with the impeachment trial so we can actually review all of the all of the evidence that there is. House impeachment managers uh, say they're still considering whether or not to use witnesses to try their case. But, you know, the senators themselves all saw what happened. Many of them saw it from inside the Capitol and many of them still will not blame Trump, um, do you think more witnesses, uh, more evidence would change minds or are people's minds just locked down at this point? Well, if their minds are locked down, then the American people need, deserve to see that uh, they have elected senators on that side of the aisle who refuse to look at the evidence, um, uh, who are so in uh, uh, former President Trump's uh, uh, camp that they're not even willing to do their constitutional duty. And it's shameful. Um, as I said, I am sitting in an office where there is still broken glass on the floor, where there is still uh, a plywood boarded up, uh, boarded up my, boarded my window up right here, uh, where my door uh, has marks from a battering ram of some sort that they used to try to force that door open. Um, I can show them the evidence myself. Uh, I'm happy to show it to my colleagues, but first they need to listen to the evidence and not close their minds to it. Uh, the House impeachment managers are also weighing uh, if and how to incorporate video into their case. Sources tell us that the impeachment managers are thinking about using uh, some of this footage gathered um, by just security. Take a listen. Yes. Invade the Capitol building. Just to be clear, because uh, I don't know if you even saw that as opposed to just heard it, you hear President Trump in that clip saying, you'll never take back our country with weakness, you have to show strength. And then you hear people in the crowd saying, invade the Capitol building, take the Capitol, take it, take the Capitol, take the Capitol uh, right now. What's your response? Well, my response is you take that video and then you take uh, and then you look into the fact that the president did not try to stop or tell the in insurrectionists to cease their attack on the Capitol until well after the attack was well underway. And even then was a half hearted statement. It's clear that the insurrectionists were doing exactly what the president wanted. He wasn't. I mean, once he saw what was happening, he still didn't come out and ask them to stop and go home, not for a long time. And even then it was a half hearted attempt. Um, so it's very clear that they were carrying out exactly his wishes. Thank you so much, uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, Democrat of Illinois. Always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Breaking news about the spread of the coronavirus that could impact every parent whose kids are doing virtual learning. Then, does this mega terrorist attack on our nation's capital look staged to you? Of course it isn't, but that's the official position of Republican state officials in one part of the country, and they are not alone. Stay with us. Back now with our politics lead, President Trump is being impeached because the big lie about the election that he and his supporters pushed incited a terrorist mob to attack the Capitol. Five people are now dead. 
And that mainstreaming of lies and conspiracy theories, frankly, it might prove to be Trump's most potent legacy. Some state Republican parties are going to some scary new extremes now. In Hawaii on Monday, a top Republican official confirmed to the Associated Press that he resigned after posting on the party's official Twitter account a defense of QAnon supporters. QAnon, the same group the FBI has labeled a domestic terror threat. That same individual from the Hawaii Republican Party also posted video from a discredited fringe bigot who denies that the Holocaust happened. In Oregon, that state's Republican Party released a resolution last week just as insane. It endorsed a complete conspiracy theory, falsely, frankly, absurdly claiming that the Capitol siege was a false flag attack, claiming it was instead committed by Democrats posing as Trump supporters in order to discredit President Trump. It's hard to emphasize just how nuts and false that is. Oregon's Republican Party also condemned the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump. And over the weekend, Governor Doug Ducey of Arizona, Trump supporter, he was censured by his state's GOP, the Arizona Republican Party, for certifying the results of the election, along with Cindy McCain and former Senator Jeff Flake, who, who were censured for endorsing Joe Biden. And this is just some of the nonsense. Let's discuss. Aisha, when you look at this as a whole, what do you think it says about the future of the Republican Party? It says that uh, the Republican Party has been uh, using the energy that they get from these uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, willing to kind of house and and at times wink and nod uh, at these people who are espousing these really uh, outrageous, um, you know, lies uh, about the electoral process and about you know, uh, you know, cabals of of you know, ca- you know, child cannibals. Um, but as we saw with the uh, attack on the Capitol, those types of lies have consequences, and you can't uh, wink and nod at this stuff and think that yes, it gets people riled up, it may get them to the polls, but it also gets violence, uh, and, and that's the part where it doesn't seem like uh, the Republican Party really has this under control, and you see that in all of these state parties of uh, really just talking about these out- outrageous ideas. And it's not clear how that gets under control if you don't have members of the Republican Party, leaders of the Republican parties actively rejecting QAnon and all of these, you know, theories that are floating around. And, and, and Jackie, relatedly, CNN's K-File uh, just a few minutes ago broke this brand new story about Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. Uh, she is a QAnon adherent and bigot and conspiracy theorist. Um, K-File reports that Congresswoman Green, before she was Congresswoman, repeatedly indicated support for executing, killing prominent Democratic politicians in 2018 and 2019 in Facebook posts. In one post, uh, Congresswoman Green liked a comment that said, quote, a bullet to the head would be quicker as a way to remove House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. In other posts, Green liked comments about executing FBI agents who were part of this deep state working against Trump. She is now a Republican congresswoman in full standing, and there is no apparent effort to do anything to get her under control. She's also, by the way, a 9-11 truther. 
Right. And there's been no attempt to not embrace her. She's been embraced. She, she was seated as a member of Congress. There was no attempt not to have her there. And now she's theirs to deal with. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is about Republicans trying to uh, be in line with some, they're, they're, as you said, they, they're using the momentum from some of these fringe elements to bolster their party. And much like President Trump, who aligned himself by not uh, condemning white supremacist groups, uh, QAnon, because they liked him. Um, that's what we're seeing the Republican Party kind of take that that Trumpian way of doing things on. Um, and it, 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 in, it, which is one of the reasons you see why you saw Kevin McCarthy say, you know, condemn Trump and then now say, oh, it's everybody's fault. Um, he does. They don't want to offend some of these folks that are absolutely reprehensible and offensive. So, Aisha, we, we've reported uh, previously that many Republicans believe uh, a conviction of Trump in the Senate uh, would be critical to rid the party of Donald Trump. Um, do you think that's possible at this point? It doesn't seem so at this point. You, you know, as you spoke about earlier in the show, um, right now there doesn't seem to be the support there. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of they may try to. Some senators, I'm sure, will say uh, that because he's out of office, why can't the country just move on? This is too divisive. And, and certainly, if, if Democrats had tried to move forward with impeachment. Uh, you know, soon as sooner after uh, the uh, the the insurrection, uh, there would have been arguments that they were moving too fast. I, I think part of the issue is the the, the what uh, Donald Trump has said about you know moving ahead with primarying people and saying that he is going you know he has this enemies list that he's going to play out. I, I think that it it is without a doubt on the minds of these Republican senators that they would have to deal with their base and their base has not let go of Trump. So while senators may want to let go of Trump um, because he's, you know, kind of hanging around their neck right now, their base has not. Yeah. And, and, and Jackie, there's this fight within the Republican Party that we see uh, the Adam Kinzinger's, uh, you know, he's a veteran. Uh, he believes in conservative values. Uh, squaring off against, you know, some of the more Trumpy characters like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, meanwhile, uh, I know you're a, a, a former Ohioan, a Republican Senator Rob Portman, um, widely, I think, considered, you know, very conservative and a, and a sober legislator. He's, he's leaving office. He's not running for reelection. I, I can't even imagine what that Republican primary is going to look like. Sarah Sanders oh, yeah. launched her bid for Arkansas governor. She already has Trump's uh, support, the lieutenant governor, Again, a guy, a veteran, he's, you know, he served for a long time, but Sarah Sanders, according to private polls, um, is ahead of him already. Yeah, we're going to see this play out in a lot of states and whether, whether these kind of Trump stamp of approval uh, candidates, in, in Sarah Sanders' case, she's running, but in Ohio, we don't know who's going to run. There's been a lot of talk about whether Jim Jordan, who is obviously a very close Trump ally, whether he'll choose to run against some of the more moderate aspects of our, our moderate Republicans in the in that party. But it should be said, I mean, um, I was told by several Republicans that Senator Portman actually was still building his reelection campaign just a couple weeks ago. And after the riots, it just something seemed to have changed. And uh, he said yesterday in his statement that 
uh, that there's just a, a lack of um, willingness to get things done. Um, the Republican Party of Rob Portman, particularly in Ohio, is changing. And it, it has changed because of Trump. Um, and, you know, who wins out at the end of the day in all of these states? I think it'll tell you 2022 will tell us a lot about whether the Republican Party is ready to move on from Trump or will it move on from Trump or whether uh, that's the Republican Party now. All right, Jackie Kucinich, Aisha Roscoe, thanks so much to both of you. The breaking news every parent with school-age children will want to hear. We'll bring that to you. Plus, we're just learning President Biden is going to increase the vaccine supply, he says. What are the details on how much and who will get it? That's next. Stay with us. We have some breaking news for you now. We've just gotten more information about the Biden administration's vaccine plans. The president is expected to speak in minutes about the pandemic. And now a source tells CNN that Biden's COVID coordinator, Jeff Zients, told governors on a call this afternoon that vaccine allocations for states would increase by about 16 percent starting next week, meaning there would be about 10 million doses going out across the U.S. each week. More breaking news in our health lead, new evidence that supports letting kids go back to school in person. A new study published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found very few cases of COVID transmission in schools as long as mask wearing and social distancing measures were followed. In fact, researchers say in the areas they studied, coronavirus rates were lower in schools than they were in the community in general. CNN's Nick Watt joins me now live. Nick, exactly what kind of safety measures were in place in these schools uh, that others across the country uh, should adopt? So, Jake, these researchers looked at Wood County, Wisconsin. The kids were all given multi-layered masks. They were told they had to wear them in school. There was also a statewide mask mandate. Also, the kids were split into cohorts of 20 or fewer students, and there was no mixing between those cohorts. Also, if a student had symptoms, they would stay home, and so would their siblings. Now, that is a way that they say kids can get back into school safely. Meanwhile, Jake... We've all got some variants to worry about. Starting today, everyone, citizens included, must test negative before flying in to this country. But the variant first found in Brazil has already landed, a case just confirmed in Minnesota. Nearly 300 cases of the more contagious, possibly more deadly strain first identified in the UK, now confirmed in 24 states. Masks will slow that spread. And the best way to do that is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as you possibly can. So how's that going? So far, fewer than 25 million shots are actually in American arms. In New York City. Right now, uh, I need hundreds of thousands more doses per week. New Jersey. This vaccine megasite opened a couple of weeks ago, just closed for a day. Lack of supply. We need probably two or three times uh, the weekly dosage that we're getting right now. The good news? Pfizer had promised 200 million doses for the U.S. by end of June. Right now, we will be able to provide the 200 million doses uh, two months earlier. Johnson & Johnson now expects final trial results early next week. Then their single-dose vaccine likely off to the FDA for authorization. 
In terms of supply, though, we're very confident and on track to meet all of our commitments, which would include 100 million doses to the U.S. Uh, by the end of June. More good news. Regeneron says early results show its antibody therapy, as given to former President Trump, prevents COVID-19 infection in high-risk study subjects. But there will be a darkest hour before the dawn. This month, January, just became the deadliest month of the pandemic so far. One death every 30 seconds. And just back to this schools issue. Here in Los Angeles, the district has said that every teacher must be vaccinated before any schools go back brick and mortar. But the teachers union says that's not enough. The kids will still be in danger and they could spread the virus to people in their homes. Jake, this is obviously a massive issue for millions of parents, kids and staff. And there's not going to be a one size fits all quick fix. Jake. All right, Nick Watt, thank you so much. CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, joins me now live. Uh, Sanjay, the CDC, this new report, it says that they found very little transmission of COVID in schools and places where the masking and the social distancing takes place. We're now going on a year of uh, kids being in, mm. in virtual or hybrid learning. Biden says bringing kids back to the classroom is a top priority, but I haven't seen yet any sort of solidified plan or timeline or, or frankly, any willingness to buck the teachers' unions. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, you know, the timeline I've seen is the same as yours. 100 days, he says, you know, he'd like to get most of these schools open. About half the schools, K through 12 right now, uh, around the country are virtual. Uh, a lot of people may not realize that, but that, as you point out, is still the situation in many cities. Uh, it's been the situation throughout. This study, and this was published in the CDC's uh, uh, weekly report, it's, a, it's a, an important publication. I want to show you what they showed because I think a lot of people will pay attention to this study. Uh, 17 rural schools in Wisconsin, and what they found was that the incidence was lower in the schools than in the surrounding community. That's an important note everyone should make note of. Uh, there, was, there was about 5,300 people total, but 191 cases. Only seven of those 191, which is under 4%, actually were linked to in-school spread. So you piece that all together and one could reasonably make the argument that it's uncommon for transmission to occur in schools for all the reason that you and, you and Nick were just discussing, but also uh, that it's potentially safer. I mean, they have lower positivity rates in schools than they do in the surrounding communities. We, saw, we see that here and we saw that in New York as well. So I, I, this is important data. I think that they, they're gonna need to pay attention to. And look, I. I Anytime we do a story on this, uh, I hear from a bunch of uh, people um, who think that we are advocating being cruel to teachers or that we don't care if teachers get infected. Uh, but that's not the case. Obviously, there need to be guidelines taken. Uh, people need to adhere to, to what people, uh, the health officials are saying. But there is an enormous cost being exacted on kids, uh, whether they are privileged kids whose parents are able to afford being attentive but more importantly, all these kids falling through mm -hmm. the cracks whose parents work, uh, who maybe they don't have a good computer or maybe they have psychological needs or educational needs. I mean, there is a huge cost. There was a story over the weekend in The New York Times about the, uh, a suicide uh, rate that was really concerning officials in Las Vegas among kids. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I mean, Jake, I, I will fully admit when I first started looking at this data, you know, uh, sort of uh, last year sometime, I was concerned. I mean, kids tend to be big spreaders of respiratory viruses. Uh, you know, we see that all the time. And there wasn't a lot of data at that time to suggest that they wouldn't be. I mean, I have been following the data and the data now suggests something else, that if these kids are doing these basic, and these were rural school districts, I don't know what kind of funding they have, but with masks, with, you know, the basic precautions, it's, it's, it's working. I, I understand the concern about staff and spreading to staff as well, but 5,300 people out of 17 schools followed for the, that fall term, and there were only seven you know, spread uh, within the school, uh, you know, much, much lower than in the community. So you, again, one could reasonably make the argument that it's actually a safer place to be because the mandates are actually adhered to. Um, turning to the, the vaccine, uh, Health and Human Services say that they're going to, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services say they're going to increase vaccine supply by about 20% over the next three weeks. The U.S. is ordering more than 200 million more doses of vaccine, 100 million from Moderna, 100 million from Pfizer. How big of a difference will this make in the number of shots going into arms? And when will we start to see that difference? Yeah, so th- th- those are the critical questions. It-, it will make a difference because you're obviously going to have a lot more. You know, if you, if you do the math, you got 300 million doses now, Pfizer, 300 of Moderna. That was, there are two shots each, so that's 300 million people. So that's, that's you know, uh, above even the herd immunity numbers that we're talking about. But 200 million of those doses aren't coming until the summer. And we are, we are talking about not just the number of vaccines that are important, but the pace at which we can get people vaccinated. The race right now, uh, you know, is that the, the virus continues to mutate as it spreads more and more. The more it spreads, the more it mutates. Most of the mutations are harmless, don't, inconsequential. But as it accumulates more and more mutations, you will get more variants. That, that's, that's the concern. So it, some of these new doses that are being purchased probably you know, aren't going to come in. T- you'd like them to come faster. I shouldn't say they won't come in time, but you'd like them to come now, obviously, or as soon as possible. I will say that these other vaccine candidates like Johnson & Johnson, we, have, we don't have the data on that yet, but if it's promising, that will probably fill the gap even sooner than what we're talking about with the newly purchased Pfizer and uh, Moderna doses. All right, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thanks so much. Uh, and congratulations on the haircut. I saw that on uh, Twitter. Your daughter, you. gave, your yeah. daughter gave you. Wanted to look. Uh, you don't have COVID hair anymore. Want to look professional for your show. I appreciate I it. I appreciate it. At least I could do. Any moment, President Joe Biden will give an update on the COVID vaccine supply and, and the changes his administration is making. Stick around for that. We're back with breaking news. Uh, we've just learned uh, some of what President Biden will say when he speaks about coronavirus vaccines in just a few minutes. Senior administration officials tell CNN that the Biden team plans to increase the supply from 8.6 million doses a week to 10 million doses a week. Biden will also, we're told, announce plans to order 200 million more doses of coronavirus vaccine, 100 million each from Pfizer and Moderna. And to help with distribution, states will now get at least three weeks notice about how many doses they'll be able to order. As CNN's Phil Manningly reports for us now, the vaccine rollout is a major test for new President Biden. The Biden administration, six days into office. We've been connecting all the dots to ensure we have our best understanding of where the holdups are. Still grappling with pressing issues like the availability of the coronavirus vaccine. We, of course, have that assessment, but we're continuing to dig in every day on what the issues are. But even as Biden himself offered a ramped up vaccine distribution timeline. I think it'll be this spring. 
I think we'll be able to do that this spring. Key questions remain. Why isn't the vaccine getting out to states? What is the holdup with vaccinators? Why aren't there more vaccine sites that are getting the, distru- the, the supply they need? Biden with plans to announce additional vaccine supply for states this hour. All as he moved to thrust the issue of racial inequality front and center. It's time to act because that's what the faith and morality call us to do. With a series of executive actions targeting what his administration has called systemic issues in prisons, housing, and discrimination. Today, President Biden is continuing his commitment to embedding equity at the center of his agenda. An effort to make good on a campaign pledge. You say we have no need to face racial injustice in the country. You haven't opened your eyes to the truth in America driven in part by the visceral national response to this and the mass protests that followed nationwide at a moment of racial reckoning in America. Those uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds that took George Floyd's life opened the eyes of millions of Americans and millions of people around all over the world. With the president making a sharp turn away from his predecessor. That wasn't friendly protesters. They were thugs. They were thugs. All as Biden's legislative agenda faces continued roadblocks, not just from Republicans, but from the looming impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Biden telling CNN's Caitlin Collins the trial, quote, has to happen, even if that stalls progress on his cornerstone legislative effort, a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. And Jake, we've seen over the course of the last six days a series of reversals from uh, President Biden's predecessor on domestic policy issues. You can add foreign policy to that as well. In a phone call this afternoon with Russian President Vladimir Putin, President Biden raising a series of issues of concerns for the United States, whether it's the sovereignty of Ukraine, the solar winds hack that's rippled through government agencies, the poisoning of Alexei Navalny, all raised in that call between the two leaders. Biden making clear, according to a White House readout, the, the Biden administration will firmly defend the U.S. national interests when it comes to Russia. Jake. All right, Phil Mattingly, thank you so much. Let's uh, bring in uh, Cedric Richmond, the former congressman. He's at the White House. He's a senior advisor to President Biden. He's director of the Office of Public Engagement. Uh, and Mr. Richmond, I, I, I want to apologize ahead of time if I have to cut you off because your boss is coming out. We're going to bring that to our viewers live. Apologies ahead of time. But I, I think you would agree that's that's the right move. Um, One of Biden's executive orders today creates a commission on policing. This would fulfill a campaign promise that calls on police departments to review their hiring, their training practices. But after that review, then what? What will this actually achieve? Well, Jake, actually, you're a little bit ahead of us. We did not do uh, that executive order today. Our executive order today, uh, we banned, uh, stopped the use of private prisons uh, with Department of Justice. And we ordered uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development to do a uh, agency-wide audit of all the barriers to home ownership, affordable housing, and also nation-to-nation uh, uh, cooperation with our uh, Native Americans. So those are the ones we issued today. All right. Well, let's. I, you're going to be doing that once, but let, if you want to talk about the ones you did today, let's let's talk about the ones uh, where Biden said uh, the federal government should stop renewing uh, contracts for private prisons. Um, he's also uh, talking about uh, ending the practice of giving military-grade equipment to police departments. Uh, and the disavowing discrimination against Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders. Um, is there going to be any w- attempt to work with Congress, including with Republicans, to make some of this law as opposed to executive orders? We're now, the country's getting used to now, every four to eight years, uh, somebody from the other party comes in, does a whole bunch of executive orders to overturn what the last guy did. Um, but 
having laws would be more long-lasting. Jake, you're absolutely right. And this uh, President Biden said on the campaign trail that he wanted to work in a bipartisan manner. And he also said he wanted to be transformational. And the only way to be transformational, which you just pointed out, is to pass legislation so it is in law, that it is there for the long haul. And so when you start talking about all of those uh, aspects of whether it's uh, anything involving racial equity, yes, we want to put it in law. We want to work with the other side, both Republicans and Democrats, to make sure that we have that lasting, empowering, transformational impact on uh, black and brown and other marginalized communities. I want to ask you uh, about uh, the stimulus checks that that, uh, Biden is talking about, because $600 went out and a lot of voters heard that they would, you know, $2,000 checks would be what President Biden was going to bring in and were disappointed when they heard, oh, no, the $600 was the down payment on the $2,000. It's really only going to be $1,400 checks. Um, There are a lot of people out there, a lot of progressives, a lot of working people who think that Biden's selling them out really early in the process. What do you say to them? That we just have to check the facts. Uh, President Biden always said that he thought the 2000 number was an appropriate number and the Congress sent out six hundred dollars. And we need to make sure uh, that we uh, push for the other fourteen hundred dollars, which is why the American Rescue Plan is so important for Congress to pass it so that we can get that number to two thousand dollars. And we need them to act before March 15th when uh, unemployment insurance and all the other benefits, the eviction and foreclosure moratorium expire. Uh, We're in a dire crisis here and we need to help these American families. So I would just uh, remind those American families that one, we're on your side and two, we're going to keep our word. Uh, We want it and support uh, $2,000 because we think that's what's needed. And we're going to make sure that at the end of the day, it adds up to $2,000. So we just got the two minute warning about 30 seconds ago. So here's my last question for you before your boss comes out. A A new CDC study found that the risk of transmission of the virus in schools is very low as long as there are precautions taken, such as mask wearing and social distancing. Is this evidence enough for the Biden administration to start pushing schools to reopen, even if that means pushing against the teachers unions uh, that have been resisting opening schools, even when health advisors say, no, it's safe to reopen schools? Well, this isn't about uh, pushing against anyone. This is all about pushing for Uh, reopening the schools in a safe and effective manner. And remember, what we did uh, was put in American Recovery Plan money so that we could safely reopen schools according to the CDC guidance. And I'm not sure what exactly everything in this report, uh, but it still showed transmission. And here's the real answer. We can do both in this country. We can reopen schools and we can do it in a manner where there's basically no transmission and we don't have to settle. So Uh, We're going to keep laying out our plans and we're going to keep pushing the past the American recovery plan so that we can get schools reopened in a safe way and get people back to work, get kids back in the classrooms and help the American families that are struggling. Well, the transmission rate uh, in the Wisconsin. uh, Here comes here comes uh, President Biden. Thank you so much, Mr. Richmond. Here is your boss, President Biden. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Good afternoon. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.